What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher, and today we are talking all about how to start and scale a business that you truly love. Uh, before we get into all the questions you've submitted, uh, I have a hot quote for you. I felt like this was a perfect quote for an episode about business. Um, this quote is from Madam C.J. Walker. And if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner and you don't know who Madam C.J. Walker is, you need to go and research her immediately and learn everything that you can about her story. Because if you have any self-doubt, if you are thinking that you are not cut, not cut out for the business world or you have an idea and you don't think you can pull it off, she will crush all of your self-doubt. So here's the quote. Don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them. Madam CJ Walker, baby. Um, building a business is truly about creating your own opportunities and not waiting for somebody to grant you the permission to do something or grant you the permission to be successful. So um, by the way, a lot of what we are covering today, I go into a lot of depth about um, on my other podcasts, Eficionado, the Minimalist Business Podcast. You can find that at delaneyfisher.com. It's a free private podcast. You can get it delivered straight to your inbox. You can connect it to your favorite podcast app. And it's all about how to simplify your offers, your marketing, and your systems. So you can not only scale your revenue, but truly enjoy your business and have plenty of free time outside of work to do whatever the fuck you want. All right. So I popped in on the self-helpless Instagram and I asked you to submit any questions that you have about starting and scaling a business. So I'm going to get to as many of these as I can today. So let's dive right in, shall we? All right. So question number one, how do we figure out what you actually want to do? So here's a few kind of practical tips. The first thing is you have to try things. You have to experiment with things. 
Um, sometimes I find that people are trying to kind of like forecast their business without actually doing the stuff. And it's the doing that actually brings clarity to what you want it to be, what you want to do, what your next steps are. So you have to try things. Um, another thing that you can do is collect information from people who are doing what you think you want to do. So whether that is offering to pay somebody for their time as like a one-off consultation, so you can ask them a million questions about that industry or about, you know, running that type of business, whatever it might be. Um, or, you know, listening to a bunch of podcasts in that industry, however you want to collect that information. And what you can do is ask yourself, you know, can I see if, can I see my personality working with the, the reality of the day-to-day of this type of job, this type of, of business, whatever it is? Um, you can also look to past experiences to give you a bit of clarity as well. So for example, the two things that I get paid to do today, um, there were clues of that long before I actually started pursuing you know, podcasting and, you know, having a a business consultancy. So I can look back and remember that, you know, when I was a stand-up comedian, one of my favorite things about that job was just sitting in the green room with other comedians, uh, laughing our asses off and talking about really deep personal shit. And that's exactly what self-helpless is. So I, I remember loving that so much. And, and I was able to take that and plug it into something else that actually made sense for how I want to make money. I can also look back at, um, I always loved consulting. So when people would ask me for help with, you know, a creative project or branding or marketing for a business or something, I was brought in as a consultant for, um, you know, a couple different companies, TV network, things like that. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and I would also love, I had a day job where, um, people were, would come into my office who were more of an entry level position and they would, I would ask them about, you know, what they're wanting to do and what kind of steps they're taking to make it happen. And I just found myself, I was always consulting or coaching in some way, shape or form. Uh, people would ask, you know, if they could pick my brain when I was a comedian, I would meet them for lunch. I would help them write their, you know, first five minutes of standup. I always loved, I always loved that. Um, I had no idea you could actually make a career out of something like that. And so now, you know, I'm doing exactly what I've always loved. So you might be able to look to the things that you have really enjoyed in your past, you know, what kind of things do people come to you for advice for? What stuff have you have done um, that did not feel like work, you know, so to speak? All those things can kind of give you enough of information to take your first steps. And then once you take your first steps, you're going to get clearer and clearer as you go on what this really is, you know, what, what niche you want to have, all of that good stuff. So yeah, hope that was helpful to give you some action steps on trying to figure out what the heck you actually want to do. All right, next. I'm so torn between launching a product-based or service-based business. I want to work one-to-one with people as a nutritionist, but also want to sell energy bars. Do I do both at once? Do I pick one, um, one or the other? What do I do? Okay, so this really depends on the product, um, the service, where you're at with your business. So for example, if you're just starting your business, um, 
and you don't have connections in the sense of, you know, let's say that you were going to start with your protein bars um, or your energy bars. If you don't have connections right off the bat of people who are going to help you make the product, manufacture it, distribute it all over the place. If you know that you're not going to sell um, a large volume of that energy bar right off the bat, and it's going to be more small batches, you're going to make it at home. It's going to be a little bit more of a high end bar so you can like be more profitable. So instead of like a $2 bar that you would find at, you know, 7-Eleven, maybe it would be like a 6 to $8 bar. That's fine, but that's going to take you selling a shitload of energy bars to be profitable and run your business full time at this phase of your business. Um, so if you're just starting out, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, starting with your service and filling up your service-based business is a great way to go because it's a very high touch experience that you can offer people. You can command a way higher price, uh, price point than you would selling, you know, an energy bar that you're making a profit of like two, three bucks a bar potentially. Um, so what you can do is you can start with your service and as you are building a community around your service-based business, um, once you feel like you're full with that and you're excited about where that is and, and you've scaled that to, to however you want to scale it, then you can launch your energy bar line. And there you go. You have all kinds of people who are excited to buy this from you because they've worked with you one-to-one. -one. They've been reading about, you know, whatever content you've been putting out. So there is an intentional order of doing things. And it truly depends on what, where you're at with your, your, your business right now and what the product is, because, um, if you, let's say that you're an artist though, let's say that you're an artist and you, you can sell, um, you can sell your paintings for $2,500, $5,000, all that stuff. Then it makes sense to, you know, start with a, a physical product, right? If you have something that you can, you can really turn a, a great profit on, um, in the beginning, then, then it doesn't really matter as much. So I know it's like, a, it can be a little bit confusing, but it, it has to be based on where you actually are. Um, the type of product, if it's kind of a more, if it's kind of a lower ticket or higher ticket product, um, and you know, the volume of how much you're going to be selling. Um, if it's helpful to share an example, I can, I can share, you know, the way that I've approached this. Okay. So for example, um, and this can change too throughout the evolution of your business. So for example, when I started uh, my first business where I was painting penis cartoons on coffee mugs, I had to make that a high end, like a high ticket item in order to actually make money doing it. You know, there was only one of me. I had very minimal help. And I also was very capped. I could only make a couple of those um, or a handful a day. So I had to I had to set a price point that was very much like high end art um, in a way. But then when I scaled the business, when I turned it into a digital product where people were buying digital cartoons and I was able to hire a couple artists and all that stuff, we were able to lower the price point because we were able to handle a higher capacity, like a, a bigger volume of orders. They were able to turn those out way faster. And, and so we were able to, you know, we, you know, start off at a, a higher end price point. We were kind of in the mid range, um, when they came aboard because of, what the product was, how many we could accommodate, 
all that, you know, the, the cost of, of per product and all that stuff. So don't be afraid to, um, reevaluate this as your business grows as well, because you might need to make changes depending on, you know, how you're scaling. Okay. I'm a therapist, but realize I don't like working with everyone equally. I'd like to just work with people who are processing grief. Um, not, not a bunch of other people. Okay. Well, first of all, it's awesome that you've discovered this. It's awesome that you've discovered, you know, your niche or what you want to specialize in. So I, I guess, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, you know, permission to start saying no to people that are not a good fit and only say yes to the people who are a great fit, just do that. Right? Just start doing that. And I know it can be a little scary because you do have to trust that, um, you know, by saying no, you're going to remain available for the people who are a great fit. And I'm not saying like, you know, fire all of your, all of your clients who are not the ideal fit for this new phase of your business, but you can ease in and out of it. So you can free up some time by letting some people go. Maybe there's a, there's a natural ending happening, or you can refer them out to another service provider. Um, if you have some referrals in your network. And then you can just slowly start filling your roster with only people who are, um, you know, processing grief. And it's okay to call yourself like a grief recovery specialist or something. It's okay to not work with everybody under the sun. Um, So what I'd recommend is actually setting up some referral partnerships with people who are in your space, but don't do exactly what you do, but you could, but in a way that you could really feed each other's businesses. So maybe you um, find a referral partner who works um, with couples. There are couples therapists. And sometimes one of the people in the couple is really processing grief around something. And then they get referred to you to come, you know, for one-to-one grief therapy. And when somebody reaches out to you saying, Hey, um, we're, you know, we're a married couple looking for therapy. You say, Hey, I, I don't do that, but I have a great, I have a great person who does here's their information. So you can start setting up referrals and that can really feed your business very organically without doing a ton of marketing and, and all of that stuff. When you are doing the referral stuff, I'd really be strategic of having a handful um, of really great ones that make sense instead of having like, 20 people that you refer out who's a couples therapist, because that really kind of like muddles up the, the value of being a referral partner with you. Um, so just keep that in mind as well. It's like if, if you let people know I'm looking for one partner who, who does, you know, couples therapy, that's a really valuable partnership because they know they're going to get every single one of your referrals instead of like, you know, you have 10 couples therapists on your list and, you know, they're not getting, they're not getting much from that. Although as a therapist, I know that there's like different legal things around who you can help in, in what state and everything. So maybe as a therapist, it would make sense for you to have one referral partner in, in each state or every country or whatever that might be as you, as you need them. Um, but obviously the referral stuff really depends on, on the industry and any kind of like legal stuff attached to that. Okay. My business has been hovering around a hundred thousand dollars for four years and I can't seem to get past that. What the heck should I freaking do? (laughs) Um, okay. So simple answer is you really have to think and do things differently in order to scale past the $100,000 mark. So taking a look at your offers and your marketing and systems, first thing to think about the current offer that you have, you know, whatever that main thing is, can you make that more valuable? 
Um, I actually just shared an example uh, like this on Efficionado, the Minimalist Business Podcast, where we said, okay, let's say that you have um, a dog walking business and you have been you have been offering um, a dog walk, you know, 20 bucks an hour, you'll come walk somebody's dog and then, you know, see you later. Great service for a lot of people. It really helps if, you know, somebody doesn't want to um, race home from work and let their dog out. They know that you have that covered. But let's say that you're really wanting to scale your revenue um, with your current with your current offering. So the way that you can do that is add more value to that offer, expand on it. So let's say that your new offer with your dog walking service is no longer just dog walking, but you also, you know, send a photo um, to the dog parents, you know, on the walk. Maybe you also provide, you know, 20 minutes of playtime inside. Maybe you, maybe you do a feeding for them. You know, you feed them lunch, you check the inventory in their home um, and you write the, the dog parents a little note, letting them know, you know, if they're running low on kibble or something, maybe you also fill out a little potty sheet where you will, you, where you tell them, Hey, this is what happened on the walk. You know, Rufus, you know, took one poo and two peas, whatever, right? There's so much you can do. Maybe there's, you know, you clip their nails. So you've expanded on this idea that you've already been doing, but now it's like a thousand dollar a month offer instead of, you know, 20 bucks times five, $400 a month. If somebody is getting your current, you know, dog walking service five days a week. So you see the difference between having a lot more clients at $400 a month versus having less clients at around $1,000 a month, but you're able to go way deeper with your offer. Um, So that's one thing to consider is, can you add more value to a current offer and really go deep with it and then raise the raise the rate for that because it commands a much higher rate? Um, You know, one person the $20 person, which is a great, both are great services, by the way, but the $20 person is really looking for somebody to go check on their dogs. They don't have to, you know, run home from work, um, make sure they get, you know, they go to the bathroom, they get walked and and they get a little companion time. And one person is kind of looking for some coordination of a lot of different things around like their, their dog care. Um, and kind of maybe looking for like, you know, adding like an additional member of the family in a way, because you're going to probably get to know them, um, a lot more deeply and, and, all that stuff. So you have two different types of ideal clients for this, but it's expanding on what you're already doing. So hopefully that's helpful if you're thinking about potentially adding value to your current offer. Another thing that you can do to um, pass the $100,000 mark is, is there a service that you can add that is simple for you to deliver um, and that fills a gap that your that your current clients or customers have been asking for, inquiring about, you know, whatever it might be. So for example, let's stick with the dog walker analogy. Let's say that you want to keep your um your current offer at you know 20 bucks an hour. It's working really well, all that stuff. Um, what kind of add-on service could you could you add to that? You know, is it somebody if it is it something where um you can also have a, a dog groomer come to your home and you know, clip their nails and stuff like that. So is there something that you can easily tack on to boost your revenue that does not, um, that is not too expensive? Um, so those are a couple of things with your offer. What gap can you fill if you want to keep your offer the same? 
Um, with your systems now, if you're trying to scale, sometimes you need more support. And a lot of people wait until um, they think they have to wait to like pass six figures to get somebody else on board to help out. But it's actually delegating and outsourcing and hiring somebody that often gets you to that next, you know, that next level in your business. So instead of waiting until you are so burnt out and you can't deliver something in your business, get somebody in place. So they're available to to deliver that thing. And they can, you can take on a higher volume of clients and customers. So those are a couple of things I would have to obviously know more about the specifics of your business for me to give you personalized feedback, but a couple of things to think about. Okay. I want more exposure. How can I start to book podcasts or get blog features, et cetera? Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Um, podcasts, media, blogs, all of that. You really have to think about what is in it for them to say yes to me. Why should they say yes to this? So you need to do some research and, and, and look at what they've already posted or what they've already done and notice a really valuable gap that you and your expertise can fill. So if you're looking at a podcast, you might find that they haven't covered um, a grief recovery specialist, right? From the person earlier, they haven't done that yet. So you you reach out and you share that that you've noticed that this has not been covered and it's a really valuable topic because X, Y, and Z. Um, and, 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 and that's what you can do, but be specific, be specific about what you would cover. Don't just say, you, you know, I'd love to talk about grief. What, in what ways would you like to talk about grief on somebody's platform or in an article, basically give them the article headline, um, before you even meet them. So you have something very specific that you can share something very highly valuable, and you're going to want to incentivize a quick response. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, I go into that more in depth, uh, on my other podcasts, but you want to communicate some kind of deadline in a very, uh, non-demanding way, but there's a lot of ways that you can do that, whether it's, you know, if they respond by a certain time, there's something else that you can provide for them. Um, you can you can add um, a gift of some kind, whether it's you know one to one session or whatever it might be. There's so many different ways to add value to your pitch, and to also incentivize a fast response. So you either get a yes or a no way faster than just waiting around, you know, for months and months on end. Um, so yeah, those are a couple things to think about. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's your opinion about referral or affiliate partnerships? Um, well, they can be great or they can be not great. You know, it really just depends on on the partnership and the goal of both people in that partnership or both parties. Like, um, 
you know, for example, like the, what we talked about earlier with, you know, uh, the therapist who might have a handful of strategic referral partners. Um, it's super valuable if you have a relationship with somebody where they are sending you all of the people that are not right for them, but they're right for you and vice versa. That really feeds each other's businesses. That is a super, um, like high value relationship, um, and, and makes a really deep impact. Um, if you have like a ton of different referral partners and you might only be sending one, you know, one person over to them every couple of years, it's not really as impactful if you can get really strategic about your referral relationships. Um, and like I mentioned, doing it in a way where you're not, you know, stepping on anybody's toes, you're, 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 um, you're partnering with people who are aligned with your space, uh, but who are not doing exactly what you do. And then, um, affiliates can be great, but kind of the same thing is, you know, are you taking on 500 affiliates and every Instagram post is a different affiliate person and link and you get, you know, one engagement or one sale where you make like $5 <laughs> or do you take a handful of affiliate partnerships on every single year? So you post about them for months at a time. They make a lot more revenue. You make a lot more revenue from that one strategic partnership. So it truly depends. Um, also what I will see uh, with my clients as well is that they'll have referral programs or um, they will have referral programs where they incentivize uh, a referral fee or gift. So if somebody refers somebody to their space and they sign with them, they will pay them, um, you know, a percentage of the sale. Um, a lot of the time you, you will outgrow that at some point. And so um, if you find that you're actually making less money because people are referring people to you and then you've you've promised them, you know, 10% of the sale, but really your business is growing so much that if you just took people on um, at the full rate, you would you would scale your revenue. It's okay to also um, let people know that, you know, the referral that referral partnership um, kind of deal is no longer effective um, and all that. And it's okay to still send um, referral gifts if people are sending people your way, but it's also okay to kind of set um, a new expectation if you find that you're, you're actually making way less money because you're paying all these different people 10% um, when you don't actually need to be doing that, you'd be filling the spots no matter what. So that's something to consider uh, as well as you, as you scale your business. Biggest thing you wish you knew when you started your first business. The biggest thing is I just, I wish I knew at that time that it could be way more simple than I was making it. And that shit did not have to be perfect for it to be profitable. I was spending so much time on how things looked and really like the facade of my business, how the website looked, what the packaging looked like, the logos, the stickers, all that, when I should have just got right down to selling my product and perfecting my product and all that stuff. So if you find that you are in that, you know, uh, planning mode, procrastinate planning, whatever it's called, and you're not actually serving your clients or serving your customers and, and making the thing or delivering the thing that you want to be doing and getting valuable feedback so you can continue to make it better and better, then you are not running a business. You just have something that kind of looks like one. So really 
that is my recommendation is get out of that planning mode and get to doing if you really are stuck here. But yeah, that's what I wish I I would have done. I didn't stay in there too long, but I spent a shit ton of money and I like trademarked everything that didn't need me trademarked. And I was trying to give myself a DIY Google finance legal degree, trying to figure out what the hell kind of entity I needed. And I really wish I would have just gotten help earlier on, uh, even just meeting with uh, you know a professional here and here for a free consultation. And I would have saved probably around three to five thousand dollars when I first started my business if I had just um, if I just knew what to focus on, especially in the beginning. Okay. I hate social media and would love to leave it like you did, but I'm getting sales with it right now, and I'm afraid to make the jump. Help, lol. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I'm sorry you hate social media and that you feel like you're, you're having to do it for the business. I totally understand. And I've been there and here's the thing. It's, um, I very rarely recommend people just leave things, you know, um, overnight or like go, go, go off cold Turkey or whatever. Um, so there is a, there's going to be a little happy dance that you do if you truly are serious about leaving social media and running a social media free business. So what you could do is start start building up something else, but you're going to want to free up your time. So if you don't feel like your current Instagram content strategy is very streamlined, you're going to want to simplify and streamline that for yourself. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, looking at the data, what's been the most effective content, doubling down on that or getting help with it, depending on where you're at with your business, just so you can free up your time to kind of build the other thing. So thinking about where do I want to direct people? If I'm not going to be on social media, what is my space going to be? What is my home base? What is my platform? And then you can slow, you can slowly start directing people over there and letting them know it's the best way to connect with you and, you know, form that connection that, you know, relates to whatever your offering is. So this could be um, a blog, it could be a podcast, it could be, you know, you know, you're going from Instagram to Pinterest, whatever you want it to be, um, an email list. I always recommend it's something that you have control over and not a social, don't put your, all your eggs in the social media basket because you just don't have control over um, the platform. It could leave tomorrow and then you lose access to all your people. So um, you're going to be easing out of social media while you're ramping up this other space. And then once you feel like you have replaced the revenue that social media was bringing in uh, with your new place, then you can do a little test and you can actually just be off of social media, you know, for a couple months, or you can deactivate it for a couple months and you can see how it affects your business before making, making the jump permanently. So yeah, hope that helps. I, um, yeah, there, there's an episode that I think I did for self-helpless that I expanded on this a little bit more. So you might want to check that out. And I, it's called like leaving social or the pros and cons of leaving social media permanently. So you can get a little bit more info there. And I also go, um, I go into this uh, on depth on uh, the minimalist business podcast too. Okay. I have a big Instagram following, but I'm not making much with it. And I'm embarrassed because people think I earn way more than I actually do. How can I change this? Okay. Well, first of all, you are so not alone with this. I cannot tell you how many people come into my space with really impressive followings who are not generating consistent revenue for themselves and who are kind of struggling financially a bit. So first thing is how are you making money right now with your business or, or with your, your following? Um, if it's solely based on sponsorships and, and ads and, and all that stuff, 
Um, some people can do only that and do it really well. And it makes sense for them. Again, it, it usually depends on the a contract or like the volume of people they have in their space. But if you're, if you're, it's not going so well, um, I'm assuming that things are not as consistent for you to be kind of all in with that. And even when it's going well, I recommend not being all in with that because you're just kind of giving your power and control away to somebody else with your business. So do you have an offer that you have complete control and over and ownership of. So maybe this is a service that that relates to um, your the community that you've built. Is there a service uh, that you want to launch? Is there a product or a physical product, digital product? What what would make sense for your people and for you? Going back to where you're at with um, the volume of what you would be actually selling, if it's going to be a smaller amount. I recommend a high touch service of some kind. If it's going to be a very large amount, then you could, um, you know, you could have kind of a middle middle tier or l- like lower ticket item, um, you know, product wise or something. So it's really important that you start taking control back if you haven't yet. If you have just been kind of letting people come into your space and offer you some money for a shout out on Instagram, and you haven't really been creating anything. Um, that you are marketing to people and, and, and you're not really leveraging your platform platform to make you consistent money and, and for things to be evergreen for you and to give yourself some security, um, as you grow your following and as you grow your business, I would recommend really, really flipping that for a while. Um, so yeah, create something and stay consistent with it, launch it to your people and market it and, and refine it over time. If you have no idea where to even start with creating something and offering it to people, you can always pull your audience to see um, if there's something that they would really like to have from you that also feels good for you to create and deliver to them. It's so hard to give up control in my business, but I know I need to hire somebody. Who do you recommend the first person I hire be? Ooh, this is also, everything is, is very personalized, you know, um, Obviously, the more I know about the business, the the better recommendations I can give. But a couple jumping off points is, you know, it could be the thing that you truly hate doing the most right now, whether it's in your business or your personal life, whatever it might be. Um, But sometimes I find that people's thing that they dislike the most seems to be kind of the hardest to train right off the bat. Um, So, for example, if you... um, you know, if you hate using like one of the systems in your business, but it might take uh, a couple months to train somebody on that system for it to be fully taken off of your plate, you can actually start with the easiest thing uh, that would be to hand off to somebody. This could be hiring a virtual assistant in your business and just, you know, having them do inbox management and, and, and uh, responding to inquiries using templates or whatever that might be. That's a simple thing to train somebody on and it frees up your time very quickly. So the, the thing that you've been, been really hating is maybe a little bit less stressful because you have a little bit more mental energy and time. Um, or it could be something in your personal life. If you feel like you'd love to outsource in the business, but it's just feeling a little bit complicated, what's easy to hand off to somebody in your personal life. This could be hiring a personal assistant. This could be a meal delivery service, a laundry service. Basically, how can you free up time, um, in a simple kind of more quick way? Because once you have that time and energy, you can troubleshoot the other things that need to be delegated or outsourced. So, um, because, and then sometimes the thing that people truly do not like 
um, or is draining them is actually a very simple thing to hand off to somebody else. Like, let's say, um, you know, somebody's doing all of their own video editing for their YouTube series, um, meeting with an editor a couple times about what you like, how you like things being edited and giving them a little cheat sheet and giving them samples. Usually somebody can pick that up pretty quickly. Um, and so ask yourself, is the thing that's draining me the most kind of simple or difficult to delegate right now? And you can start with the things that are um, a little bit easier if it's um, if it's a little too challenging right now. I know you're off social media, but which apps do you recommend being on for the sake of marketing your business? So this is different for everybody because everybody loves showing up differently in their business. So how do you love sharing about what you do? Um, do you like, you know, showing up on video? Do you like writing things? You know, all those different things are going to play a role in where you have a presence um, when it comes to social media. So what do you enjoy doing? Double down on that. Um, and if you're like, I don't really like any of it, um, just do what, what feels strategic for your industry. So for example, if you're like, I kind of feel all the same about social media and I'm going to be the one having to do it to promote my business. Um, let's say that you, you are an event planner and you specialize in, uh, bridal showers or something, maybe having a presence on something like Pinterest, knowing that a lot of brides are on Pinterest, looking at wedding inspiration is a great place for you to be versus something like LinkedIn or something. So if, if you feel kind of like neutral about all social media, where are your people hanging out and, and, and start there. I feel really stuck in the admin work of my business and don't know what to do to make it you make it easier. Any hot tips? Um, okay. So a few things, depending on where you're at with your business. Um, one thing is truly just simplifying your systems, whether that means you start creating and using templates in your business, you set up some simple automations like calendar, you know, calendar booking automations or email list automations, those types of things, some kind of workflow there. Or is it time to hire somebody? Is it time to hire a virtual assistant or an operations manager that could just completely take all that off of your plate, systemize things for you and, um, you know, add to your team. So those are a couple, couple things to consider, but you can usually simplify your processes. You can usually uh, set up some automation, um, or you can hire somebody, or you can do a mix of all of these. I actually do a mix of all of three of these things. Um, in my business, I have a wonderful operations person. Uh, we have automation. We use templates. Yeah, there's a lot going on to to help free up time with the back end of the business. How can I make more money if I love what I do and don't want to add anything else? So, kind of going back to what we talked about with the dog walking example, if you're not wanting to to change that offer because you enjoy it, it's working well, people love it, all that good stuff. It's it's profitable for you. Um, you don't have to add, you don't have to necessarily add a bunch of stuff in your space to make more money. It could simply just be taking on a larger volume of clients doing what you're already doing. So again, if you've got the dog walker business and you only have two dog walkers, Maybe you need to hire another one or two dog walkers so you can take more clients on and just, you know, you, you scale your revenue by doing the same thing that you're doing. You don't necessarily have to add another service or, or something like that. Maybe you, maybe you don't want to touch the business right now. And maybe you're, you're wanting to make money in a different way. Maybe, um, 
instead of adding something to the business or changing a current offer, you actually want to start investing somewhere else. You know, you want to invest in somebody else's business. You want to invest in a piece of real estate that um, can, can bring you some monthly recurring revenue. So it's not, you know, you can, you can spread that out. Maybe you want to get some investment accounts or something. So there's more than one way to um, make more money. And if you feel like you don't want to touch the business right now, what could be another venture for you, another opportunity for you to be able to do that, that is outside of your business. I have a podcast, but it's not growing much. I've been doing a lot of social media marketing and currently on four different platforms, any recs. Okay. So number one, um, I recommend promoting your podcasts on other podcasts. Promote your podcast utilizing other podcasts. Right now, what you're doing is you are you're platform jumping, which is not super effective. So you're asking people who are social media people to become a podcast person and then listen to your podcast. It's a lot that you're asking from them. You're asking them to jump to a platform that they may or may not like using. And then you're asking them to become a fan of the podcast or a subscriber. So this goes for any platform. Market your platform on that platform. <laughs> so if you have, you know, if, if you want to grow your podcast, start start doing ad swaps with other shows, start guesting on other shows, start having guests on your platform and and talk to podcast people. Talk to the people that you don't have to convince to be podcast fans. They already are. Uh, same thing. If you're on Instagram and you're promoting on, you know, you're plugging on your podcast for people to come engage with you on Instagram, they might not be Instagram people. They're podcast people. You know that because they're right there. They're listening to the podcast. Um, so if you're wanting to grow your Instagram following, use other Instagram platforms to do that. Same thing, cross promote with other people, um, ad swaps, plugs, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that would be uh, my recommendation. And this might be an encouraging kind of stat to know as well. Um, I read somewhere that the average podcast listener, podcast fan uh, listens to seven to eight podcasts. Usually there's seven to eight podcasts in their space at a given time. And you're just really trying to be one of those seven. So if you just think of it that way, it's like, hey, I'm just trying to be one of the seven that um, this, this person listens to. It kind of relieves this pressure of feeling like you have to be the podcast for everybody. Eh, just be one of the seven. No big deal. Okay. Last question. Do we need to have free offers to get our products sold later on? Okay. So um, I would want to know what you mean by free offer, because, you know, the reason why people have some kind of complimentary thing when somebody is kind of welcomed into their space is to showcase that they know what the fuck they're doing, right? Like by getting a free thing somewhere, uh, sometimes we're able to test out the product to make sure we like it. Um, sometimes we're getting a discount on a certain product. Sometimes we're getting a free resource sheet or something um, uh, from a service provider showcasing like, oh, they're credible. They know what they're doing. This is a great service or product. I, and, and also you're giving the, the person on the other end an opportunity to experience some quick wins with your method or your thing, which develops, um, which develops trust, you know, it, it builds trust, it builds credibility, it builds this connection before they even really meet you or, you know, work with you or whatever that, that might be. So do you have to have a free offer in the sense that you have to give a bunch of shit away? No, but you do need to communicate that you know what you're doing 
it gets results. Um, and you also need to give them some information to where they can implement in some way and, and experience for themselves that, oh yeah, they do know what they're doing. So there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um, your free offer could be that you have a podcast. Your free offer could be that you have some kind of gift that you deliver people when they join your email list and they get some kind of hot tips sheet or something. Um, your free offer could be when they when they uh, buy their first product from you, they also get some kind of a bonus gift that's going to help them use their th- use your thing more efficiently, right? So it's just about sharing um, your credibility. And, and providing so much value to the person on the other end that they're wanting to take that next step with you. They're no longer, they're no longer confused about if, if, um, if what you do works because they've already experienced something that has worked for them in your space. So hope that's helpful. Um, okay. That, that does it for the questions. Thank you so much for sending those in. And if you want to, you know, talk more business, this is all the stuff that we get into, uh, over at DelaneyFisher.com. You can sign up to get, uh, the minimalist business podcast delivered to you instantly with all the episodes. Um, we also have uh, a resource vault in there with all kinds of cheat sheets and prompts and, and stuff like that as well. Okay. We do have a review of the episode. This is from F-G-N-F-F-I-H-F-R. Um, I, maybe it's called like vegan fever. I don't know, but thank you for writing a review. It says, helpless less. I'm going through a difficult breakup. I sought out a podcast to help me get out of some cyclical, cyclical thinking and obsessing. The women are super relatable. Uh, it helped me get through work today. It made me laugh between helpful tips, laughing at themselves and similar experiences. I'm feeling better already. Thank you. Wow. I'm, I am just, I'm so grateful that this podcast can give you comfort, you know, during the time of a difficult breakup. Uh, my heart goes out to you and I hope you're doing all right. And I know it's, it's tough right now, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm so glad that, you know, you found us and that you've been, um, you've been comforted by whatever, whatever episodes you might be listening to at this time. Um, so thank you for taking the time to do that. If you want to leave a review, you can head over to iTunes, plop some, uh, plop some, uh, hot info in there and it might get read on the show. Okay, everybody. I think that does it. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the self-helpless podcast. You can find our Patreon community merch and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at self-helpless podcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 